What's up, everybody? This is another one of the Brutally Speaking Live series. Uh, this one was pulled from our Instagram Lives that we were doing a while ago uh, before we switched over to the Facebook, YouTube uh, Live things that we've been doing most every Wednesday. Uh, this episode's guest is with Amir Durak. Uh, you might know him from a band called Orgy. More importantly, though, he is uh, one of the other founding members of Julian K with uh, Ryan Shuck, who we've had on the podcast. And actually, I feel like we should get these guys uh, back on and do a proper Julian K uh, episode. Uh, a lot going on over there with those guys. This was actually done in collaboration with the 320 Festival that happened uh, a couple months ago as of when this happened, back in May. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the 320 Festival, basically it is a, an online event that was created to uh, bring awareness to mental health and provide resources uh, to that community and, and normalize basically the conversation surrounding um, all mental health pursuits and so forth. Um, and it was set up by Chester Bennington's wife, which obviously if you know any of the story about you know his passing and so forth and a lot of the things that uh, he was dealing with mental health is a very big thing and obviously Julian Kay if you've been following uh, with them and knowing what Ryan's been going through uh, at the time of when we did this conversation Ryan had just checked himself into rehab um, so is a very omnipresent thing uh, for this band and for this conversation and uh, you know given the fact that we're still in the pandemic the pandemic had basically just started uh, when we started this conversation and you know, there are a lot of people who are maybe not able to have the resources available to them uh, to deal with, you know, being alone uh, or, you know, everything being shut down. Um, so kind of wanted to get this back out and, and kind of get some of the information and conversation that we have with Amir out there. Um, and, you know, the audio is a little bit wonky because, you know, I'm pulling it off at of Instagram. Uh, so forgive that. Tried to clean it up as best as I could. Uh, but this is a fun conversation with Amir. And uh, I think actually, you know, now I'm thinking about it, I'm going to reach out to them and, and try to get them back on uh, and definitely catch up with Ryan. Because uh, if you go back and listen to our conversation from a couple years ago now, um, Ryan is someone who is so multifaceted, you know, between running a restaurant, doing Julian K, which the things they're doing for their fans, their Patreon, their, their all their things that they're doing, trying to just be interactive and, and uh, stay in touch with their fans is, is so commendable. I guess I don't need to blab anymore. Without further ado, this is uh, my live conversation with Amir, and we'll talk to you on Sunday where our episode's guest is Brad Arnold. Talk to you then. So I guess yeah. uh, let's kind of get going as people are kind yep. of filtering in. Um you know, 320 Fest, that's that's why you're here, is to kind of talk about yes. your involvement with that. How, um, I think it's pretty obvious how you guys got involved in that, but kind of walk through the process of that and maybe what you had in store uh, initially for your appearance on this festival, because before all of this happened in the world, uh, this was actually supposed to be an in-person festival. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yes, obviously we know about all of this because of Talinda and our relationship with, with our very good friend Chester um, and the unfortunate uh, thing that happened with him uh, obviously helped to create what this is all about um, and we actually obviously we have you know Ryan and I especially have you know we've all had mental problems and you know Ryan's in rehab right now for his drinking and and depression um, so he's he's kind of handling that right now um i'm actually at his house right now in our studio. i was wondering that with the guitar in the background yeah yeah, like, yeah. Yep. it's a dedication uh chester guitar that ryan did um if you can see it perfectly but um we were actually supposed to be on tour right now that's right so we wouldn't have been a part of this festival 
um, which we were bummed about. And Talinda had talked to us about it, but we were supposed to be on tour with the Birthday Massacre, um, which is, as of right now, is rescheduled till later of the later in the year, starting like mid September. Um, you know, obviously, we don't know for sure, one hundred percent, that that's going to happen. But at this point, that's what we're, you know, we're going with it right now to see what happens. It's still a ways off. Unlike, you know, things that are happening right now, we know, you know, if we had shows right now, obviously they would not be happening. Right. Um, I guess, you know, there's, there's still a chance that it could be happening. I hope it is. Um, that's what we're counting on at this point. Um, but yeah, so we didn't end up touring and we ended up talking to, 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 to Linda and um, she's like, oh God, you know, you guys should, should do something today. Um, and so actually right before Ryan went into, into rehab, we uh, recorded one of our uh, songs acoustically right outside here, right outside our studio in Ryan's, what we call the, the swim room, kind of the lounge, the studio lounge. Um, and we, we did a song that we thought would be nice for this, and a nice, uh, sunny, beautiful California day. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting to see how people are finding different creative ways to stay creative. Um, I know that was a very redundant sentence, but, um, you know, these online festivals and the way that you know musicians and so forth are finding ways to connect with their fans in spite of the fact of the social distancing aspect mm -hmm. of the pandemic we're in it's been really interesting um i've done a couple of these over the last like two weeks or so um and one of the ones that kind of really kind of really showed me what this could be uh was when i was doing the one with mark from nothing more Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the comments, I'm seeing, you know, their collection of like really diehard fans or as they call themselves, the Nomo family. And I was seeing people from Italy talking to someone from Argentina, talking to someone from, you know, all these different places. And how are you doing? How is it? How are you been affected? Haven't, you know, gotten to talk to you in a couple of days or whatever. And it was just really cool to see, even in this capacity, the online community based around bands fans. Um, yeah. I know, like, I'm an Uber fan of a lot of bands. And I really haven't done many of these things because uh, a lot of the bands I'm into aren't really necessarily doing them or they're doing them at different times where I, I just can't really participate. So it's been really interesting to see the outpouring of uh, creativity and how you're doing this. Uh, different mm -hmm. people doing acoustic sessions, people doing Q&As, people talking to other band people. It's just been really interesting to kind of see everyone utilizing this platform to do something completely different and giving us entertainment when we kind of don't have it. Um, yeah, well, I think, I mean, people want to be connected, you know. Absolutely. So when we can't go there now, you know, we have to find other ways to do things. Um, you know, like you said, the live streams, the Q&As, um, we've, we've started a Patreon. Ryan actually, I guess it's probably been a couple, yeah, it's been two months now. Right. Um, when all of this stuff started sort of, you know, the world started kind of imploding, Ryan just got right on it and was like, you know, we need to, we need to restructure how we're doing everything because everything's going to change. And, um, so we, we started a Patreon because we thought, look, if we're not going to go out on tour, we just released a new record. Right. <laughs> and this tour is all about, you know, 
promoting that record. And I mean, it literally just came out right in the middle of all of this. So, um, you know, we're, we had to kind of rethink how we were going to, what we were going to do because the tour got canceled right away. And so Ryan started working up on working a, a Patreon up and our fans came in in droves. They totally get it. Um, and there's a lot of interactive stuff that's a part of that aside mm -hmm. from what we, you know, do on the outside of all of that, we're, we're doing more exclusive things there. Um, like the other day we did a, a song exclusively for, for the Patreons that they only get to see and it actually went away after we did it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But we'll, we'll probably, we're going to be doing a lot of different things. We're going to be experimenting. You know, we've been already giving them a lot of tracks, like a remix that we just finished and, there's going to be tons of unreleased music and um, different versions of songs from a lot of our albums. But, um, you know, th there's a lot of stuff, of course, with the Patreon. And um, we've been doing, you know, these kind of interactive uh, chats with with our fans over Facebook previously mm -hmm. um, over the last couple of years, especially when we were launching our Indiegogo campaigns. We would we would do it live from a Facebook Facebook chat. It was really fun, you know, because I don't know, all of this stuff to me, um, I mean, you learn so much about our fans and they're, they've all become our friends now. Like we know so much about so, so many of them and they know everything about us too. <laughs> and I know some people think that kind of ruins the mystery, but I, I don't think it does. You know what I mean? I think in a lot of ways, you know, everybody just sees that we're real people going through a lot of the same things that everybody else is, especially right now. Um, and it's good to be able to talk to people, you know, from all walks of life all over the world. And it, it's, it's such an education, you know, I'm really grateful for it. Honestly. I mean, I've learned so much from our fans and we love them. They're so great. I mean, it's, we are so lucky to have the fans that we have. I mean, I know we're not some huge band or anything, but our fans, like, they rule. <laughs> well, a couple of things on, on what you're saying. You know, I, I was going to ask, did you, do you think your willingness to kind of hop in on, on such a, with Indiegogo and so forth, kind of, I don't want to call it transparency per se, but basically just, having to think ahead of the content you're going to create for the different levels and rewards and all these kind of things. Do you think that actually put you in a better place now to know what you're looking to do with the Patreon versus a lot of people who are yes. maybe going, fuck, I don't know what we're going to do right now. Uh, I guess we're going to do this Patreon thing. And then you have to kind of do the growing pains yeah. visually in front of everybody. And they're like, yep. man, I paid $20 for this. This sucks. And it's like, well, if you know like what you're doing and can kind of get it going. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, we've had some growing pains already on Patreon. It's different. Every yeah. platform has its things, you know. And Absolutely. We're, we're kind of fumbling through it a little bit ourselves, to be honest. But, I mean, it's the only way you're really going to learn, you know. And, and our fans are, are totally cool. They get it, you know. And some of them help us. They're like, oh, you got to go here to do that. Or <laughs> you, you can only do that. You know, they know it better than we do sometimes, you know. But, I mean, even back to the whole Indiegogo thing, you know, honestly, uh, Ryan, Ryan kind of spearheaded that as well. And, and Foo, who is our other kind of uh, right. you know, production writing partner for many years now, um, as well as many others, which I'll 
I'll, I'll touch on in a bit. Um, you know, Fu and I were kind of skeptical. You know, we'd seen a lot of these videos that bands had done and a couple guys come on and they're just kind of asking for money and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And it just didn't really click, especially for me. And we tried to do some things and totally failed initially and just were like, oh my God, I, I can't, this, this sucks. Like we have to figure out something different. And luckily we kind of, I had been filming a bunch of stuff that turned out to be what, we made the the sort of Indiegogo, you know, uh, video of our, you know, our, our sort of movie premiere video of what we were proposing. And one of the things we did kind of right out of the gate was that we already had a lot of the music. We had the concept. Um, it wasn't totally done. Well, actually, most of it was at that point was really was actually pretty done as we've moved along. And now that we've gained trust from our fans and um we've we've started these things earlier um where we don't know exactly where it's going to end up totally whereas before we kind of had it more together from the very beginning we actually really did a lot of homework and really kind of nailed it right out the gate um so we did learn a lot from that but patreon's a different thing you know so we're we're still kind of learning i mean we we definitely nailed it i mean ryan totally nailed it i mean we we've these first two months have been really great for us and we're so grateful um because it's really helped us a lot (laughs) and (laughs) and now you know we've kind of restructured everything to where we're actually going to be we already have another record that we had started Mm. so we're gonna we're gonna go right in to working on another record it's not going to be out till next year hopefully we'll still you know tour this record you know and then that record will come out after that. We're also going to be working on uh, the new edema stuff. I'm sure you know Ryan's in edema. Mm-hmm. So we're already working on new music for them. Um, and uh, and Ryan and I are also kind of a, uh, like a production team. And we've been working with this band from Orange County called Slaves to Humanity. Mm-hmm. And they've totally blown up here. They've got two songs on KLOS right now. Oh, okay. Reg- regular rotation. No record deal. It's amazing. It's been interesting to see a handful of bands actually doing that. I mean, you see a band like Dirty Honey right now, uh, you know, having monster success, getting on really good club uh, shows and so forth. And I mean, yes, they have a publicist, they have management and stuff like that, but they're not on a label and they're not in the traditional industry side of everything where they have a label pushing and doing all these things. They're kind of doing it really smartly. And it's interesting in this day and age where you're kind of starting to wonder aside from quote unquote distribution uh, and promotional avenues, do you really need a label uh, or you do, do you yeah. just need a good strong core of people behind, behind the scenes of your, your publicist, your manager and so forth, and maybe a booking agent who can get all the work done without losing all the money to the other things of people who you are just another number on their roster. Yeah. Well, you, you definitely have to have a booking agent because at least in the U.S., for the most part, you can't book a tour or whatever without You can't a, use that book, book my fucking life anymore? Yeah, nah, I don't know, <laughs> but I guess you can, you know, on, on a certain level, you, you definitely can. But, you know, if you want to get on shows with bigger bands and, you know, you have Absolutely. to have contracts, there has to be, there has to be, you know, a certain level of professionalism. Um, so, you know, we have a, we have a book, booking agent. We also have somebody that's helping us manage right now um with the new album and you know it it definitely helps because there's only three of us doing you know the bulk of the work here right um we all wear different hats 
for different things. Um, obviously, you can tell what Ryan does. He spearheads a lot of these these new businesses and opportunities, and I mean, he's the singer, so he's he's the voice of the band. Uh, Fu and I are, you know, sometimes a little more in the background. Obviously, we do all the the behind the scenes stuff. I do all the merch, and Fu and I do all the fulfilling of the merch. Um, um, and then, of course, the production, the recording, the mixing, all of that. And then we have, you know, we have a, a lot of people that we write with and work with. We've been very fortunate to have a lot of really talented friends and family. And so, you know, even on Harmonic Disruptor, we have Biddy Cobra and Alex Gonzalez um, and Eric Stoffel uh, worked, you know, did some stuff on few of the songs on the album and are a big part of what we've been doing touring wise um but you know we've had different touring drummers we've had we've actually had quite a few drummers <laughs> over the years um i guess that's not uncommon um but we, we've had a pretty long list of drummers and all of them are great and some of them come come back and forth and some of the old members have come back and done stuff and we've written with and it's always kind of an open door if somebody, you know, needs to go do something else for a while and they get bored of that and they come back and they say, hey, you know, kind of miss working with you guys. Let's do something. And worked out really well that Elias, our original drummer, was going to come back and do this tour. And, um, you know, obviously that will still happen whenever the tour happens. <laughs> out of curiosity, because I just saw Chino do an interview with Apple the other day. And, you know, he kind of, I don't want to say voice frustrations, but, you know, kind of thinking out loud, I'll call it, made the comment that, you know, their tour hasn't been officially postponed or canceled or anything. Mm -hmm. um, fingers crossed it doesn't. Um, right. But, you know, he's on record basically saying he's not sure if they can't do the tour. Is it even worth doing the tour if you can't put out the record? Mm. And is the record even worth putting out if you can't tour behind it? So it's kind of right. a chicken and the egg kind of situation. And it was interesting to hear him kind of talk through that because, you know, in doing some of these things, you know, um, I've had a couple people on Jake from August Burns Red. They put out, they decided to go ahead and put out their record. And then not surprisingly, uh, it didn't do great because people aren't able to just to go out and buy it and so forth. Yeah. Um, adversely, you see a band like Dance Gavin Dance, who wasn't, who weren't able to even sell any physical copies of their record, debut in the top twenty on Billboard. So you're seeing inconsistent data as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. And something you know, I've kind of been wondering too is, you know, amid the do we tour, do we not tour, do we put out a record, do we not put out a record? How much of that kind of did you even have any of those conversations uh, leading up to putting out Harmonic Disruptor? Because if I remember correctly of the date, which is a little fuzzy to me, it was like right at the very, very beginning of all this. So like I could see why you would be like, eh, it'll probably blow over and we'll be fine and go on tour and everything will be fine. But was there even at least any consideration to maybe push it back a little bit just to make sure that everything was good to go? Well, so, you know, being an independent band that, you know, we're not really beholden to anybody at this point with with really all of what we do mm -hmm. um we do tend to pivot you know pretty quickly on things we can um you know the record we ended up uh dropping the initial release of the record to all the indiegogo supporters digitally right. for christmas oh that's right right so so 
everybody who supported us through the campaign got the album digitally before anybody else in the world got it. So, you know, technically it was already out by Christmas in some ways, but we actually asked everybody to just kind of keep it under wraps and they did because our fans rule. Um, and then we decided, okay, well, there were physical aspects of the album, the vinyl and the CDs. Vinyl especially takes a long time. So it was, it was a bit of a trick to get that done in time for the tour. And we literally had it like maybe a week or two before the tour was supposed to start, mm. which by then we already knew we weren't doing the tour, or at least it seemed like we weren't doing it, I think. I'm pretty sure we knew by then we weren't doing it. Um, so it, it was kind of all playing out as we were going along. Yes, we had plans. Um, we, we did have it planned as a digital release for you know a certain date and obviously the physical stuff was going to go with us on tour so we had to kind of regroup and with our friend denny that's been helping us and in groups um we we decided to just start dropping signal sig signal singles singles why can't singles. i say that right now i'm sorry signals cool. i was going to say singles sorry <laughs> you're good i mean they are technically kind of signals that are yes. approaching. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, so um, anyway, we started doing that and we actually had a couple of videos. One was like a lyric video, one was a real video. So we figured we would kind of, you know, go that route like a lot of bands do anyway. And it was it was actually kind of cool. But at the same time, we ended up it was kind of funny because we, we even regrouped even right before that. And we ended up going with Harmonic Disruptor as just like the first, like, well, this will be the teaser track of the record mm. or whatever, which we totally weren't planning on at all. And it just worked. Everybody loved it. It did, it's still, it's doing very well. Um, so we ended up like kind of putting together a quick uh, lyric video and everything. And, um, and it, it just, like I said, we're able to kind of pivot and do things that, you know, a lot of times you can't do when you're on like major labels or you're like right. a big band. So we just kind of take it day by day and we kind of continue to do that. And then it did come to a point where we were like, because we were seeing a lot of bands like Grey Days. And I mean, there were other bands that we were seeing. They were saying, you know what, we're just going to hold off mm -hmm. um, and put the record out later wait wait for this to kind of settle down somewhat and then we're going to come back and kind of regroup and and they had already like great days had already been putting out singles as well yeah so but we decided we just kind of thought you know what you know everybody's home right now and i don't i don't really see the reasoning to wait any longer i mean a lot of our fans already have the record i, I would rather just have it out there and let people enjoy it while they're bored right now or you know and you know, the tour is going to happen when it's going to happen. And then we, we ended up refacing our whole uh, web store mm -hmm. and just decided, let's just put all the, you know, the harmonics disruptor stuff up for sale, the, the vinyls, the CDs, all the, the merch that we had and everything. And all the merch completely sold out like over a weekend. Um, and the music's been selling very steady. We also um, added Bandcamp, where right mm -hmm. now, We've done a special thing where our back catalog is pay what you what you want for our back catalog. The new album's up there um, for eight bucks, I think, and it's been selling very well. 
and we ended up releasing everything this past month um, on all the digital outlets, everything, you know, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify. We just decided, let's just put it out. I'd, I'd rather, you know, we'd rather have it out there at this point, you know. I think the thing that's interesting, and maybe a lot of people don't know this, is is how long sometimes from when you've recorded a record and it's done, mm-hmm. it's been handed in to, to Mix Master and all that kind of stuff, Yeah. how long you all sit on it yeah. until we as the public hear it. I mean, in some cases, like a great example is there's a band I did an interview with uh, in the beginning of December, and they had just put out a new song, and there has been no mention of the record or whatever that was supposed to follow. And mm-hmm. here we are almost in the middle of the year and there's no album in sight, but on the interview, they had the record done or they've had the record done at that point for almost four months. Yeah. So potentially by the time we get it as the public, it'll have been a year old Yeah. to them. And they're probably already like a lot of people right now writing new stuff. And I always think it's interesting that when you do some of these press cycles for, for new uh, album cycles and so forth, that you'll have someone be like, oh, I really like this song. Oh, yeah, I really like that when I wrote <laughs> it like a year and a half ago. Yeah. But between, you know, recording it, doing all that kind of stuff and sitting on it now because we had to wait for the label to go, hey, in quarter three is when we're going to put this out because X tours and all these other things and festival opportunities, it'll align better for you to do it then, the business yeah. side of putting out music. It's It's got to be kind of rewarding for you guys, I think, to be in this stage where you're kind of able to just do whatever you want, kind of when you feel like it's ready. Yeah. How much of that, you know, also has been a conscious decision based on your experiences within what you did in Orgy and, and that environment that you were in? Well, I mean, you know, all of us have varying degrees of experience in, in, in the music industry of, you know, being here, being here, you know, all over the place over the years and i'm sure all of that plays into it but i think it is pretty fun for us to be fully in control of our destiny as far as like what happens and i think sometimes you know we do kind of unconventional things but i think our fans really like it (laughs) so um you know like i said when we dropped our record on christmas we literally had just gotten it back from mastering so i mean it was literally you know I don't days probably we got the master back and we were like, okay, now everybody, we're going to surprise. It was actually Ryan's idea mm. um, to drop it on Christmas. And I was like, Oh my God, that is a genius idea. No one's going <laughs> to expect it. No one's going to expect it. Everybody's going to be doing their usual Christmas stuff. And then, you know, maybe they'll check their email that day. Maybe they'll wake up the next day and see their email and they'll be like, what? <laughs> Here's your album. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of, I mean, I always feel like that's kind of the nice thing when you pre-order, like I, I'm big on vinyl. So when you pre-order vinyl and it ends up sometimes showing up maybe a week before the street date and you're like, oh my God, I got this, I got this thing before anyone else has got it. And I'm so stoked. And it's almost like the reward for being a fan and supporting a band because, you know, maybe people don't understand at times pre-orders, especially dictate how much of something might be made. So like if you yes. were like, oh, we're only going to do, you know, 200 but you blow through that 200 in a day, you're like, oh, fuck, I guess we should have made more. Yeah, It can inform more from there, just mm-hmm. like the adverse of it can as well. But it's always kind of nice when you're able to be rewarded for being a, a loyal fan. And I, yeah. I don't know that bands sometimes or the other people involved in making those decisions take that into effect or factor that in at times. Well, we, we definitely sort of tear out the way that we do things. And I think that's where, you know, the Patreon thing's interesting because obviously it has all its tiers too. But 
we always make sure that we take care of those core fans initially, the people that have been supporting us these past years and, um, you know, that they always get their stuff first and then little by little, everything else comes out. You know, we had to kind of wait until we had all the physical stuff to make one big, you know, shipment because it's, you know, it's, I don't even know how many, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shipments that have to go out. So we kind of do them in segments and Foo will come down from Canada and it's, it's a whole process. I mean, we literally do all this stuff ourselves and we've had to figure out how to do all this stuff in a cost-effective way. But also, you know, we're big on having really quality things, whatever it is, whether it's right. the, the vinyl or the t-shirts or everything we do, we try to, you know, do it like with a really good quality, um, quality materials, you know, so that when the people finally get it, I mean, we always kind of say like, we like to under promise, but over deliver kind of thing. That's sort of Absolutely. one of our mottos that we use. So, you know, they think, wow, this is really cool. But then when they actually get it in their hand, they're like, wow, this is really cool. You know, it's better than I expected. That's what we always, we always want to try to achieve that. I can't say that we always do, but we, we, that's what we strive for with all of that. I think we strive for that with our music as well. You know what I mean? It's, it kind of the whole, the whole thing is like that. We always kind of want to show some stuff. We'll let people know what we're thinking and, but then when they finally get the record, they're like, whoa, <laughs> this is really cool. I, I wasn't expecting it to be this good or like this. Or I, I always hope that we kind of over deliver in yeah. the department. When, you know, you're not going to please everybody all the time. It's, that never happens. So, but I think at least if, if we feel like we've kind of brought it to another level, that's, we feel good about that. We've, we appreciate it. Our, our fans, you know, they're just, we want it. We want to do the best we can for them. <laughs> you know, it's funny. And I've only talked to a couple of people who have kind of gone through some of these like Indiegogo's and Patreon things where you're promising certain things to people who are uh, donating to your cause. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is an example where the shipping or something that was a certain cost when you started everything, by the time you went to go fulfill everything ended up being not what it was when you started and you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> Cause those are always fun, interesting stories. Well, uh, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I didn't expect the, you know, cost of whatever to go up or like leather. We had a leather item for sale, yeah. but then something happened and leather went up or we weren't able to make as much or whatever. So we had to adapt and come up with a new way. I think those are kind of fun stories that I don't usually well, get publicized or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, a lot of stuff is a moving target, you know, and you, you have to just do the best guesses that you can. And again, this is something that Fu and I really try to do the best that we can do, you know, when it comes to shipping. I mean, shipping goes up every year. So if you, you know, sell something a year ago, by the time you're actually shipping it, it's going to be more. Yeah. It's a fact. <laughs> every year it goes up. Um, you know, the, the cost of goods, you know, the, the merch and things that we make, it kind of, you know, it moves around. Sometimes it's better than others. Usually it's nothing crazy, though. We kind of build all of that in. I always try to build in a lot of stuff into, you know, the, the big picture of the cost. So we have we have wiggle room. We leave we leave space for 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 that kind of stuff, you know. I guess that's the, the, you're one of the first then that kind of takes that into account because more often times than not, it's always 
we didn't know that this thing was going to cost so much to ship. We just, yeah. I don't know. And it's like, you just kind of see a lot of people, I don't want to say flying by the seat of their pants, but more yeah. or less that's, that's how they do it. And it's, uh, it's interesting. Like I said, it, it has created some interesting, uh, problems, situations. Sure. Yeah. Problems yeah. for, for them to go through because then it's like, well, fuck, I, if I would have known that I, we probably wouldn't have offered that as a thing, uh, as a tier or as a, a reward because that we just lost on that one and that yeah. wasn't worth it. And, so it's you always interesting to, do, to me. Yeah, you have to do a lot of due diligence, you know? You really do have to kind of poke poke holes in a lot of things. I'm kind of the king of that. <laughs> um, you know, raising that red flag, like, yeah, that could go a little wonky if we did that. I'm kind of the negative Nancy when it comes to a lot of things. But, you know, and Ryan's kind of the, you know, complete opposite. So it works out pretty well because we kind of balance each, each other out really well. But... Um, I did actually many, many years ago um, as one of my like side jobs to make money when I was in a band. I actually worked in a shipping department. Mm, that's <laughs> what I do currently. So, so I, have, I have experience with this and I've, I've bought and sold gear like my whole life. So I have a lot of experience with eBay and now Reverb and places like that. So I, I actually have a lot of experience in, in shipping and receiving too course um when i had that job and i it's funny because i hated that job <laughs> and you know it, of course years later i'm like wow you know that actually was a useful thing for me to have done now because now i can bring something to the table here i never thought that i would ever need <laughs> <laughs> and it's something that i you know i do for the band you know for for all the stuff that we do you know i mean we have orders every day that go out um and, you know, through just doing it and having some experience, I guess, you know, that probably helped because there's a lot to it. It's actually probably one of the worst things about doing any of this stuff is being able to sort of predict the shipping costs and then also figuring out the most cost effective way to actually package things yep. um, and and get them there safely. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty tricky, actually, you know, so. I get it. I'm sure a lot of bands probably struggle with that or they just hire somebody to do it who just rapes them basically, which is unfortunate because a lot of their profits go down the drain when you hand all these things off to someone else. You know, I've had a lot of friends that have done these types of things and they're just like, yeah, we're just happy it didn't cost us anything. I'm like, no, that's, <laughs> that's not the idea. You, you actually could be making quite a bit of money if you just kind of took control of everything, I mean, it's, it's a job. Like I said, all of us wear different hats. We all have things that we're good at and things that we're not as good at, but we all, you know, we know that. And so everybody just kind of handles stuff in our, in our little world. <laughs> Out of curiosity, and I don't know how much of this is like an age thing, um, but kind of seeing how successful you've been able to maneuver through the newer landscape for, for bands, you know, utilizing digital and online stores and all that kind of stuff. I feel like it kind of reminds me of back when I was going to shows and I'm sure very much like yourself being in a band mm -hmm. where in order to kind of make a name for yourself, you'd have to go hand out flyers. You had to put, you know, pound the payment basically. Yeah. And it makes me wonder because I, I feel like your success on your level at this point with no, no big label or anything, goes back to those days of you being willing to put in all the work and doing everything yes. yourselves 
And I, I can't help but notice seeing a lot of like, you know, you're seeing a band like Bleeding Through or 18 Visions and some of these other bands coming back from back in those days mm-hmm. and still achieving success, but doing it on a, a much more limited scale. And it's making me wonder, is it because all of those bands are willing to put in the work themselves to keep doing something they're passionate about? And adversely, is it because younger kids are just like, I want this and I'm going to do this. Well, it's not panning out. Well, fuck it. I'm done. Because they don't have the drive or desire to, to put in the, the work ethic. And, you know, I'm wondering if, you, if you've if you noticed that or if you think that's what has attributed to Julian K's success is the fact that you guys were around when you had to do and become kind of a, an all-in-one in, all in one wearing so many hats and, and putting in the work to see yeah. any kind of success. I, I think that's true kind of across the board for us. Um, yes, when I was younger, of course, we, you know, all the strip bands and things that I did, you know, we, we did a lot of, it was very DIY. Yeah. You, you would do this, you know, everything yourself pretty much, or maybe, you know, someone might like a manager would come in and help you or most bands had somebody kind of helping. Um, and then eventually you would kind of grow it so big that a label would come along and pick you up. Yeah. So I do think that the, having that experience is definitely useful, but I also think that, you know, going through the major label system so many times. I mean, I've been very fortunate to be signed to Warner Brothers three different times with three different acts. Yeah. I don't know how many people can say that. That's like super crazy and weird. <laughs> it's weird that I went back, but I guess after three times, <laughs> I was gone. Syndrome. Um, but, you know, having watched how a label does the right things for Orgy, you know, how we saw how everything, you know, all the gears clicked you know everything just worked um and the band blew up and then of course it all fell apart so we you know we we saw the whole thing you know of course we've seen the indie side of it you know probably growing up in all the bands that we were in previously we learned how to deal and do all of that but then you know actually riding the wave of being in a very successful band from you know up here to just done <laughs> so we have all that experience, the good and the bad. And, you know, we've applied all of that to, to what we've done. And then some, because obviously the whole business changed. And in that process, you know, we also got involved in other things. Once again, Ryan spearheading the fact that we're involved in restaurants, which of course, right now, not an easy thing to be dealing no. with. Luckily, Luckily, you know, Lola Gaspar and, and uh, 2145, um, they've sort of pivoted. Those are some of the restaurants I'm involved with, with uh, Ryan. They've pivoted and they're doing a lot of takeout and delivery and all these like special full course dinners and all these, they can even do drinks and everything. Very smart people running that those places, the managers handling it, you know. It's not as good as normal, but my point to all of that was that we, you know, Ryan was involved in a couple of restaurants called the Gypsy Den, which he still has, um, but way before I ever gotten in, in the restaurant thing. But we were just kind of looking for other ways to kind of support ourselves um, while we're doing the music thing and sort of waiting for the whole music business to kind of come around. Right. Now, you know, a restaurant business probably still not the smartest business. It's still very risky. There's still a lot of shit that can happen, you know, and of course we've seen all of it and learned from that as well, you know, having all these businesses. Um, 
so yeah i don't know it's it's kind of crazy though like how different everything is now and i i don't know that we could have ever predicted how much of an arc has happened <laughs> yeah. you know um i'm really grateful that we were able to figure figure out something for us and how we were able to take you know basically take back all the control and 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 really just get connected with our fans and really just learn how to how to move forward in whatever capacity we could and the touring thing was also another thing that we were not able to do and once again this was something i told ryan that i said look if you you know i can handle all this other stuff i can do the merch i can do the production i can you know handle all the stuff on that side of it but if we're going to go on tour you got to figure it out right and little by little you know he and and we have been figuring out how to do that and it's like we were just starting to catch our stride with this and unfortunately for the world <laughs> you know everybody kind of got screwed on this right now in, in our business touring yeah. and you know entertainers in general across the board whether you're a comedian or whatever you know it's like very weird thing that no one could have ever seen coming other than bill gates i guess and <laughs> and the makers of contagion yeah <laughs> yeah you know something so on the podcast side i've had uh jay on from org and obviously mm -hmm. ryan and something i've kind of been wondering and i it's been about a year or so since i've really talked to either either of them um what uh i know in talking to ryan and in jay to jay i had brought up the fact that obviously candy asses was turning 20. Mm -hmm. um do you know if there's any plans for a like a vinyl for that at all i you know has, i haven't heard anything and here's the thing um you know labels just do that stuff they're so not gonna seen. They're, they're probably not even gonna say anything to us they'll probably just do it mm. when it happens there's a lot of labels, uh, like subsidiary labels. I forget what it's called, but there's a bunch of different little labels that license stuff and they put it right. Out. Well, um, I wasn't sure if like your sunset clause maybe was up on some of those things or not, or you know, to where maybe you're able to have more of a hand in that now because of that. You know, that's that's a very good question. I'm not really sure, but fair enough. We've we've had enough issues internally with the band with Jay and um, there's some things that need to be resolved. I, I think before really anything else will happen. <laughs> Fair enough. I just figured that's always like a, a somewhat easy. I'd thing love to, to have it to, too. Trust me. Yeah. I, I'm a huge vinyl guy. So, well, I've been like buying really my it. childhood basically on vinyl where it's like, you know, that's everything's basically, doing. yeah, basically getting reissued or pressed for the first time. Yeah, and with the internet being what it is now, it's it's pretty shocking to see, like that era of you know the mid to mid to late '90s and then the early 2000s, where like all of that just was never on vinyl. Yeah. And it's like Jesus, man! Like there's so much stuff that probably if somebody would just be able to front the the bill for it at first, it's like man, like you uh, stand yeah, to probably they, make a shitload of money. Yeah, it's not it's not too bad. I mean. I'm trying to think, well, recently, maybe a year ago, the first Spine Shank record that I yep. co-produced, mixed, engineered, whatever, that came out on vinyl. I was like, whoa, 
that's that was kind of random. Um, I imagine a lot of those things are going to start coming out. Like Cole Chamber was another band I work with. I'm sure Orgy at some point will will get vinyl. Um, yeah, I mean, I I love it. It's 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 fun to be able to you know hold something again and you know the artwork's this big it's not just a tiny picture on itunes or <laughs> even you know even a cd um i mean funny enough we still sell a lot of cds um which is surprising but i think people just like stuff they want to collect stuff you know i think and it's I also been the weird one that have come back where i'm like but the format of that doesn't it never improved at least like vinyl it's improved CDs, I mean, whatever, they figured out ways to clean those, but it's like, yeah. I don't understand people who are like, you know what, I need this tape. Like, I just saw Blast Jaws <laughs> doing yeah. uh, a re, I don't know if it's a repressing or a re, whatever you well, want to call tapes it. Are tape. really, tapes are really fragile, too, which yeah. is one of the worst things about it, because you can buy like a used tape and it might play a couple times and then all of a sudden it's just going to shrivel up. So I've never Fall really understood or... why that one's that's coming back because I'm like, well, and also who the fuck has a tape player to play shit in anymore? Well, the I mean, all of it's kind of made a resurgence. Obviously, vinyl in a much bigger way, but again, I I still think it's you know people like to collect. I I <laughs> like to collect. I mean, everybody has things they like to collect, and if it's music, they enjoy having all of these different things. You know, they're just pieces of of a bigger puzzle. You know. I, I understand that because I've always been a collector when it's come to either musical gear or music in general. Um, what are some we, of your holy grails for those things? For what? Uh, I would say either a, a vinyl of yours or a new piece of musical gear. What's what's oh. something that you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I, I own this? Well, I've, I've been pretty lucky. I kind of started getting back into the vinyl thing pretty early on before it really started blowing up. So I was able to find a lot of things that even at the time when I got them, I probably didn't realize how much more they would be worth right now. Mm. You know, like original Joy Division pressings on the ruby red vinyl, where if you mm. hold it up to a light, you can see through it. Mm. I mean, those things are worth hundreds of dollars now. Um, I have a lot of, you know, random stuff I've collected, you know, from vintage records to like the Gesoffelstein record. He's an electronic, he's like a techno guy his vinyl album is just shot through the roof. And that's like, that only came out like, you know, I don't know how many years ago, maybe five or six years ago. Mm. And that thing's worth a fortune now. <laughs> yeah. So. It's, it's weird to see like uh, my car ended up taking a shit on me and I needed to come up with money very quickly uh, to get something new and, or yeah. newer. and I only had to sell maybe, I mean, this sounds like a lot and it is, I only had to sell like probably about 80 records of mine. And yeah. was able to put down a pretty decent chunk on a on a new car. Yeah. But it was like one of those where it was like, all right, I'm not selling this. I have this collection. I'm not selling the and like. And it was like you had to start yeah. bargaining with yourself of like, what am I willing to let go? And well, then it was of, kind of funny because my wife always gives me shit for buying, like being like, I this isn't a first pressing. I needed to get the first pressing or the tour variant or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But as we're selling everything and between friends and online and everything, I was like, that's why you buy those because they're worth exponentially more if you ever have to resell. Yeah. Well, some of them, I, when they get to a certain point, I just kind of sell it because I'm just like, you know what, this yeah. has become so valuable. If I scratch it or do something, like, <laughs> I don't want to be responsible and like mad at myself because I screwed it up. Like, I, I sold, I had an original leather pressing of Motley Crew. Oh, okay. Yeah. Too fast I, for leather, or, uh... I, 
I got a lot of money for that. Yeah, I sold, so I my sold records for a shitload of money too. Yeah. I mean, I, some of that stuff, it's like, I'll just go buy the, you know, the regular Electra one or whatever. And my girlfriend really loves Motley Crue. And I was just like, do you care? And she's like, no, just get the other one. I'm more used to that one anyway. Cause it sounded different. <laughs> um, and I just, I had that one since I was a kid. I mean, I literally bought that probably when I was like 20, 19 or 20 or whenever it came out, I had it all that time. And I just thought, you know what, this thing is, it's probably going to even go up more, I'm sure. But it got to a certain point where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to cash these chips in on this. And I've done that with a few records. And I have a few more right now that I'm kind of like, hmm, price is kind of getting up there. Might be, might be time to cash those chips. I'm glad I haven't looked to see how much this is worth. But when a friend of mine put out the repressing of Korn's first record, mm, yeah, I had sent him a text night or I sent him a message. I was like, dude, I... I need one of those test presses. I don't. Yeah. Pretty much within reason. Money is not an object. Yeah, yeah. And so I have, like, I well, have the first album too, but I think it's one of those. But is it called Vinyl Me or something? Yeah, I think it so. Has like a gold label on it. You know what I'm yep. talking about? Yep, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's one of those companies that kind of reissues stuff. But they, uh, I ended up buying it. My wife somehow was linked to an account that I didn't realize we both shared. So I woke up the next, or I woke up that day, bought it when I got the message from him, and it was one of the five approved out of the ten test presses. Five failed, five approved, one in gold, mm -hmm. one set in gold, one in silver. And nice. uh, she goes, "What did you spend X amount of hundreds of dollars on?" And I go, it "Doesn't matter." She goes, "Did you buy that record?" And I go, "Yeah." And like that has been like my like main piece around my collection, where I'm like, I know it's a repressed test press, but still, uh, it's really cool to have that. And then. Well, the, the collecting thing is a black hole, whether it's vinyl or whatever, <laughs> yes, it whatever it is. You know, people collect video games, they collect little miniature toys, they trains, you know, whatever it is. It's it's a black hole, but I think, you know, it's fun. It's a it's a it's a safe outlet, I feel. Music is is a is a good good thing for the soul. Speaking of souls, let's circle back around to the whole 320 thing i'm curious yeah. how you got involved in this why they asked you to talk to me and we should talk a little bit about that before we get yeah up. so um i was aware of this festival because i'm on an email list of a lot of publicists a lot of things going on um canceled uh this was going to be the second year of getting to do media for uh sonic temple aka loud uh, yeah louder than life mm -hmm. uh I've been approved, but had not been able to go to various reasons, but incarceration fest, uh, down at Mansfield reformatory where they shot Shawshank and, um, just kind of doing the festival circuit and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm on a lot of these email blasts and so forth. And I remember seeing this and thinking like, Oh, this is really cool. Um, you know, I've talked to people like Derek Hess, an artist mm -hmm. who, uh, put out a book, uh, last year at this point, uh, basically, uh, drawings that he did that were inspired in the month of May uh, for Mental Health Awareness Month, and that's what the whole premise of the book is about. And talking to various uh, band people, um, some of them, you know, talk, like Brian from Corn, put out a documentary. I ended up talking to him about uh, that, uh, his recovery, and all that kind of stuff. And even though the show kind of tends to, on the the non-interview sides, uh, talk about drinking, and you know, I have a Red Bull. That these new summer boys, these summer uh, watermelon guys, are super really good. Are you sober? Um, no, no. Okay. I've dabbled. Like, I think uh, the longest I've ever gone was like nine months. And it was just more of a proving point to myself. Like I was 
by some people's standards, probably not as bad as it could have been. But for me, it was just like, ah, oh, this feels like it's getting a little out of control. And some things in my life were going on that I was like, I, I want to make sure it doesn't have a control of me and I have control of it. So I just yeah. took like nine months off and still went out with friends, which was kind of interesting to see uh, when people just hit that threshold where they break through the ceiling and just get super drunk. And you're like, man, I'm sure I was like this. Um, <laughs> and it just kind of gives you a different perspective. Uh, and I think ever since then, it's kind of also allowed me to like, there are times I'll go to hang out with my wife and their friends and they've already kind of, had a couple and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just not going to drink tonight. Cause I'm not going to get there and I don't want to get there. Yeah. And so it just kind of turns into this thing where I think it allows you to kind of be more informed about the drinking you're going to do or whatever. Um, but I, I think that's always been my thing with anything, uh, within reason is just responsibility and, and, uh, moderation. Um, uh, whether it be, I mean, you can overeat, uh, all yeah. these kind of things. I think it's just a matter of whatever it is that you're consuming that you could become addicted to, uh, try to realize that and then get it in, in the handle and, and moderate, moderate, moderate it. Well, um, I think, I think, um, I think what Talinda's doing and the, this whole organization is really obviously extremely important right now. Um, I'm sure God, there's probably so many people struggling right now around the world, um, with so many different issues, Absolutely. more than, more, more than usual. So, I think it's amazing that she's doing this and I'm also, you know, really proud of Ryan for, for trying rehab right now. And I know his whole plan is, is to make himself better so that he can also help other people, which I think is very noble. Absolutely. Um, and, um, you know, I talk to him every day. He's doing, he's doing well. Um, he really likes all the people there. The therapy has been great. Food is great, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a very bold journey to go down and it's something you have to do for yourself. And, uh, you know, we're all very proud of him for doing this right now. And especially considering, you know, all the things that have happened over the last couple of years, you know, with, with Chester and, I mean, that, that has been extremely difficult for all of us. Um, it's never not going to be difficult. <laughs> no. Um, and, you know, for Talinda to spearhead something like this, to, to put this out there in the world to help people and they're, everybody, everybody's got problems of some sort or another, you know, and, and just to be able to even just talk about it, connect with people and, um, be there for people and obviously what we do with our music and although it's all over the place it can be very angsty and angry and beautiful and all this different stuff but it's it's nice to be able to create stuff and have people react to it and and a lot of times you know it helps people and that's like some of the, the greatest reward you could have as an artist yeah to have those kind of compliments when people come to you and say, you know, you guys really helped me get through a time, whether whatever band it was, whether it was Dead by Sunrise, Orgy, Julian K, you know, any any of these projects that we've done, we're just so grateful to be able to do it and 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 to be able to be, you know, a part of all of this right now and be, you know, thanks to Linda for for having us on uh, today on the 320 festival you can you can watch that um what's it's actually the festival is all weekend 
320 fest.com i believe right is that right yep yep okay. and then there will be a, a link in that to where you can click to then view all of the, the stuff going on it's okay. got like basically the direct link for everything going on with the the online part of the festival right it's, so it's all weekend it was yesterday it's all it's today and then it's also tomorrow yep. we're on um i believe around 250 today uh that's pacific time um, so definitely everybody tune in and check that out and watch the whole thing. I mean, there's lots of, uh, people on there talking and I think it's very, very helpful in this, in this time. I think that's the thing that kind of drew me to it a little bit was more of, yes, there's the, the musical component to it, but the main focus, uh, is more on so many different avenues of tackling mental health. Uh, whether it be from like your diet to mm -hmm. you know workplace and so on and so forth, um, I've lost a friend in the last couple of years. You know, kind of speaking, when you were just saying like mm -hmm. maybe people aren't aware until someone passes away, like how it really affects you. Yeah, and it's really weird at times how the lack of closure uh, on my end for how all that transpired and some of the clues of things that you know kind of were dropped along the way, where it's like, oh fuck, if I would have paid attention to this, or maybe if I would have reached out, or whatever you have all this kind of survivor's guilt, I guess I'll call it. Yeah. And so for me, it's one of those things where I think I do a pretty good job of, of talking about these things to, with those that, you know, are in my inner circle, but I, I definitely know a lot of people aren't as willing to be like, Oh, you know, I, I was thinking about this and it made me sad. Like, you know, Deftones just did their 10th anniversary of diamond eyes. And watching that and getting to the last, you know, four tracks on that record, I was yeah. magically transplaced back to going to see that uh, tour with my friend that passed away and thinking about how I wish I would have spent more time with him at that yeah. show as opposed to just kind of being at the show. And, you know, kind of started crying as I'm thinking about all these things. And it was one of those where it's like, maybe that's not normal. That's not, you know, someone else might do that and just internalize it and keep it in here and not express that. No, it's but I chose to, to express yeah. it to, to my wife, you know, because she comes yeah. in and is like, why are you crying? And I'm like, oh, I thought of this. And, you know, then texting a friend that was there that dated my friend and so forth. And it was one of those where I know that by doing that, that maybe allows us to kind of all talk about some of the things that we don't want to talk about because it's, yeah. it's uncomfortable. So I yeah, think was, that's what this fest does and is doing a great job of is yeah. being able to tackle and give a platform to talk about those things. Yeah, it, it definitely comes in, in waves and certain things will trigger it and you know i mean it was tough for us because you know chester was a huge rock star and although he's one of the best friends you could ever have but he was very busy all the time he was always you know going here going there and a lot of times you know in the last couple of years it was actually got kind of difficult to kind of even just catch up with him and i think you know we kind of knew something was going on and we kept trying to figure out how to get together or whatever. And, you know, and I mean, Ryan and I both talked to him right before, um, you know, we left on tour, which was a couple of weeks before it happened. And I, I had actually found, I had originally got him. Um, and just so you're aware, we got about a minute left. So okay. if this ends up doing it and you got a couple more minutes, I can just go back on and we can finish your thought. I'll just make it quick, but I okay. ended up finding him this guitar that I knew I had originally given him one, but it got broken or something. And I found him another one. They're really rare and got it for him right before we left. And he was really excited about it because he loved that other guitar that I had gotten him. And, 
you know, everything seemed okay, you know, and that's the thing, yeah. you just don't know, you know, and then yeah. we left on tour and Ryan had talked to him right before too. And, you know, it's just, we did not see that coming. We were completely blindsided by it. Yeah. But anyway, you know, it's great that, that well, we call her T, but it's great that T's doing this and all the people involved. Thank you so much Yeah. Um, for, for everything. Um, thank you for the interview today. Thank you, man. Where yeah. can everyone find uh, you guys or the uh, or any of the socials you want to plug real quick? Um, yeah, it's pretty easy to find us because our name is spelled weird. J-U-L-I-E-N dash K.